Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild Card Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. Welcome to Industry Focus. I'm Nick Seipel. This week, Miley Fool analyst Ari Hughes joins the show to take a look at Expel, a market leader in protective films serving the automotive industry, among many others. Ari, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Uh, great to be here with you. So I said in the intro, Expel, market leader in protective films. What does that really mean? What services are they offering to their customers? Yeah, so it's an interesting business. So basically, uh, if you have a car, it could be a, a sports car or just a car you're kind of excited about. And uh, you want to protect it from like rock chips and debris and those things that naturally happen as you drive the car. You can get this uh, paint protection film that was actually uh, used by the military back in the day that had just we found out had these applications where you can put it on cars um, to, and have it applied. And it protects from rock chips, from from taint, paint debris, but you can't see it. It's invisible. It looks just like um, the paint was there. So so it's you know not visible to the naked eye. So it's really exciting for car enthusiasts or people that just kind of want to protect their car. Right. So when you think about the guy with the sports car that parks across two parking spots to make sure nobody dings up his car, this is really the target market for this guy. And the cool thing about this, too, is is the paint protection film is self-healing, so you can scratch the film, but then you hit it with some heat, and magically, it's good as new, uh, which obviously very attractive when you're spending tens of thousands of dollars on a... Historically, they've served the high-end sports car market. Uh, These folks are very particular about their vehicles. Yeah. Yeah, cer- certainly. It's uh definitely yeah. You're you're going to you're excited about your car if you're making this investment. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the other interesting things with Expel as well is that they're not uh, just providing this film, but they have a software differentiation that really has helped them uh, grow. Yeah, yeah, definitely the the DAP or the I guess the DAP software kind of uh, provides the cutouts of the cars, and it's just this huge library and database of of the different models of cars. So once you go in there, um, you find your model of car, and then it'll cut out the the film and the shape of the car. So I think it just helps in the application, so you don't have to cut it yourself or kind of you know do all those things. It probably makes the labor a lot easier. Yeah, exactly. And so really attractive for, for the installers uh, of this film. They, they less waste. Uh, you can, you can uh, produce quicker, that sort of thing. And if you look back at the history of the company, they started really focused on, on this software and have really evolved over time uh, to, to drive you know, some of this, this film product. Can you talk about the history of the company, kind of how they got to where they are today? Yeah. So essentially, um, basically, when I researched this company, I had to look look at the history of paint protection film in general. Um, and the history of paint protection film was that it was being used by the military on helicopter blades. Um, when the helicopters take off, you'd have rocks and debris and stuff flying up and like chipping away at the blades. So they would apply this paint protection film um, and it would protect the helicopter blades. So eventually, you know, like a lot of things uh, that are discovered, we found out it had commercial uh, uses. So, so then it tra- naturally transitioned uh, to Expel, and I think 3M was doing it as well. Um, and then you've got the the 
the DAP, the DAP system. Um, and, and then they kind of just thought, you know, eventually it would be more profitable just to lean into the paint protection film and establish these relationships with um, these third party installers, which they have um, and providing the training and then providing the paint protection film. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, we talk about paint protection film sounds pretty uh, boring. sounds like a pretty niche market. Why is this a company that you're excited to own and invest in? Uh, I think leadership is like for me, I, you know, I don't like the super hard thesis where you have to pull it out. I like to see that it's a good business. And I think from day one, um, when I first put on the Expel investment, I saw they were growing. Um, they had clean, pro- they were clean um, as far as profitability and their balance sheet, which is very rare in the micro cap space. A lot of micro cap companies tend to be very messy or have like kind of weird financials, but they were growing steadily and getting bigger year over year. And then I started reading about the product and seeing what they were doing. Um, And then it's just been a steady compounder from a small base, which is usually, uh, usually have good results when I, when you see that in stocks. Yeah. So just to maybe put some numbers on that, you look at the the past five years through the end of 2020, 30% revenue growth Kager year over year. You look at the most recent quarter, U.S. organic revenue up 49% year over year, Canada organic revenue up 40% year over year. And this is in a market where, as it's been well documented, there's not a lot of car inventory out there on the market. We're at, we're at a low point. That's the slowest uh, Q3 for new car sales in the U.S. in a decade. And obviously, a lot of this, this, this film is being installed when folks buy the car new. They want to make sure it stays as good as new for as long as possible. So to see this kind of incredible growth, even against uh, a macro background that isn't necessarily favorable to the business. And also when you see that the historical track record of growth as well, it's a market that may not sound big when you first hear about it, but actually is giant and growing when you look at at some of the new uh, areas that Expel is starting to move into with some recent acquisitions. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you start from a small base, uh, you can grow substantially larger um, as they, as they have. And, um, the acquisitions are really interesting too. They're really starting to show that, uh, horizontal integration going after, you know, uh, companies that I think that makes sense. You know, I, I like that they're going after companies that really complement what they're already doing. Yeah. So can you talk about some of these acquisitions? So earlier uh, in the show, we mentioned the historical market for this is like the type of guy who's driving a Ferrari that's going to go get some type of aftermarket work done on their car. But more recently with with some of their acquisitions, they're moving down market into actual buying it straight from the dealership uh, with some of these some of these recent acquisitions. Yeah, yeah. So the you've got the 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 dealership one, and then the uh, one I was just looking at now is this the uh, Invisi frame, um, which is this bike aftermarket's uh, parts where they're doing the a similar thing actually, where they're creating coverings to um to to protect bikes. So so again, paint paint protection um is related, different, not cars, but they're going after that. That was a quick win, uh, and it added two point seven million dollars and it's a creative so they also grow and they maintain like profitability which is very interesting to me as well um so one of the acquisitions I think you're referring to is this permaplate film uh, the distributor and installer of automotive window films serving dealerships 
So again, it's a business that relates and uh, they install window film. So it's just a nice compliment to what they're doing. So they can kind of probably, they know that market, they understand that business. Um, so it's, it, it makes a lot of sense. And they're creative. That's one thing I like is that the 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 acquisitions add to the bottom line, mo- or most of them from what I've seen. Right. Yeah. These are kind of bolt on acquisitions. Yeah. And, and to your point, so we mentioned the paint protection film uh, uh, so far with the permit plate acquisitions touching touching window protection film. So the majority of the business still today is, is the paint protection film. But Expel also offers uh, uh, window film for, for automotive applications. Think about window tinting, things like that. Also window film uh, for building applications for, for kind of greening buildings and kind of preserving uh, heat and things like that. So with this permit plate acquisition, what they're doing is, you know, acquiring this, this window film uh, business that is historic you know, before cars go to the lot or as soon as they roll onto the lot, uh, they would attach that window film. Now, uh, Expel, ha- you know, has that part of the business is integrated with some of these uh, dealerships. And that gives them the opportunity not only to, to grow the window film side of the business, but potentially to cross sell uh, some of the paint protection film products and other things. And of course, if you've ever been to a dealership, they like to uh, add on add-ons that add them profitability, things like a pinstripe for a couple hundred bucks. So you see both from the perspective of Expel growing their market and from the perspective of their customers, ability to add some more add-ons, uh, you know, it makes sense uh, uh, for them. And I think there's there's lots of opportunity to continue to go down market from this kind of high-end car enthusiast to, you know, your everyday person who, who wants uh, wants these kind of added features driving off the lot or that uh, dealerships can convince them they need driving off the lot. Yeah. Um, so one question I think a lot of folks have, and you mentioned earlier, 3M, also a player in, in the paint protection film industry. You know, why isn't this a commodity or what, what you know, how do you think about potential risks from competition uh, facing Expel? Um, and, and how do you think they may, may be able to fend those off? Yeah, I think just being the premier provider, because I feel like they actually got sued by uh, 3M at one point in their history, which was devastating for the stock, but they overcame that. And that's, and, and it makes sense if you're a bigger competitor, you've got more resources and someone's doing something similar, um, you could probably throw money at it. But I think the way a company like Expel wins when you're going up against a conglomerate, a massive company like 3M that's doing a lot of things and paint protection is just one of them, is be the best, be the premier provider, be have the mind share, uh, serve your customers super well, and they'll come to you first. And I think that's what we've seen um, because, I mean... No, I think no textbook's going to be like, yeah, this small company can compete with 3M. But I think if you're known for that product, um, you you serve that market well, then then it's possible. And I think that's what they they've continued to do. And they've won. They've made it a big point to go after those installers and have really great relationships with them. And I think that's one of the things that also have helped them to compete, even though you've got like uh, two other players. Yeah, when you th- when you think about how folks go about buying these products, I mean, you may buy you know a high end vehicle, but you're going to go to you know your body shop or your dealership, and that's the type of person who's probably going to provide you some advice on the on the types of things you need to install. So I think in, in these types of markets where you know the the person who's actually you know buying the car that's getting the film product is taking advice from an expert, uh, that that type of middleman situation, really winning the distributor, the person who's making that sale you know to the customer, I think is really the key customer to win. We talked earlier about. The, the DAP software and how that's really user-friendly for the installers, makes it really easy to reduce waste, install things quickly. Um, also, Expel has strategically acquired some of its distributors to try to get closer to the installers. So so when, when you look here, um, I think that, the, yeah, the real key constituency to win 
is, is the installer base. Uh, and, and, you know, to the extent you can make those folks happy, then they're going to sell through to, to their customers. And so far, it appears like Expel has had some, some success there. Yeah, certainly. Um, okay, so, so one other thing maybe we should talk about uh, with Expel is they're an asset light business. So they, um, they're not the ones manufacturing their, uh, their paint protection film. They source it from, from a third party. Some benefits there, obviously very asset light, potential risks as well. How do you think about you know, the supply agreements for Expel and where that fits into the business? Yeah, I think, I think those supply agreements uh, need to be like ironclad because uh, if, you're, if you're not make, I mean, it's nice that they, they, they're taking on the paint protection film as inventory and then kind of reselling it and they're kind of known for it, but uh, it would be nice if they can control the supply, but they've, I've kept those relationships strong for, you know, a fair amount of years now. And the other thing they've been able to do um, that they is one of their goals is they increase gross margins. So over time, they're getting better prices on the paint protection film. So that means they, they have a good relationship where everyone feels taken care of because, um, you know, they could, you know, what if I was supplying Expel and I wanted to squeeze them or, you know, kind of get better prices. So, so they've maintained those relationships, but it would be nice if they did control that part of the supply chain, but it is, it is a resale business. Yeah. It almost looks like a pharmaceutical agreement. So just a little bit of context. So 75% of their, their film is sourced from, from one supplier and Expel has the exclusive right to market it around the world. You see some, some of these kind of things in pharmaceuticals where you have the manufacturer and then they give an exclusive right to maybe somebody like Allergan or, or somebody like that to go market the product. And that's really what's going on here with Expel. And so you could look at these, the agreement. So the agreement renews every, every two years and you could say, man, uh, Expel selling so well, maybe there's a risk that this supplier kind of takes back the supply and kind of disintermediates them from the market. For me, it's one of those things that as long as Expel is throwing up this these 50% plus revenue growth and building a brand that, that's incredibly strong, the likelihood that the supplier is going to pull that deal is incredibly, incredibly low because, again, you're giving up all these incredible, incredible sales. So I think, and you see a lot of this in, uh, again, in, in pharmaceuticals as well. So, I mean, Allergan, I think, doesn't technically own the, the Botox chemical, but it's unlikely it's ever going to get pulled back for them because they've been so successful selling the product. And so, uh, for me, I, I view this the relationship, you know, as as a strong one uh, for Expel again because they've had so much success. And to your point on the on the margins, if you have a, a supply agreement that keeps uh, where you're buying at a fixed price, and because of your presence in the market, you're able to raise prices to your customers, and that all all ends up falling to the bottom line. That appears to be um, some of what Expel has been able to do the past several years as margins have gone up. Yeah. Um, so when you're looking at you know, expel moving forward. All right. So, so we talked earlier, looking back the, the past five years, growing revenue at a, at a 30% clip, accelerating in the past, you know, most recent quarter, you're looking at, you know, over 40%. How are you, how do you think about metrics to track how the, how the company is performing going forward and, and, you know, the p- potential opportunity at maturity? Yeah. So the biggest thing I'm following is, um, so it's still a fairly young company, but it's maturing. And, and I think the biggest concern, the, the key metric they always tie to or throw out is somewhere around new car sales. So usually they think about it, the business says you buy a new car, you're at the dealership, and then you get Expel installed. Um, and that's the, the key driver. So as it's still a fairly young company, but as the business matures, I'm going to really be paying attention to new car sales because 
it may get to a point where the business, and I don't think we're there yet because they're still growing consistently, but it could start to be cyclical because it'll, it'll ultimately be tied to new car sales. And that's a very mature cyclical business. So, so that's not something you're going to see in the very nascent early years, but as the business matures, I, I think it's going to be very correlated with new car sales, which will go up and down um, kind of with the economy. But I, I think, I don't think we're there yet, but that is something to watch out for. Right. Right now, it's a secular, there's secular growth in paint protection film, but at some point you hit saturation. At some point, there's enough people that want this, this type of product. And, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see where that happens. So far, it hasn't, hasn't yet shown up, but, but we'll see uh, the extent to which that materializes. One thing we haven't talked about, Ari, that I think is important is, is management, leadership um, of, of this company. I, you talk about how they went from microcap land to now this is a $2 billion plus company. That's an execution uh, uh, thing that you had to get there by, by really executing it in a strong way. What do you make of, of management and leadership of the company? Yeah, I think um, one of the th- criteria I've started to look at or consider is um, how much value has management already created? Have they proved they can allocate capital? And I think Ryan Pape, uh, the CEO, um, he's proven that. He's grown up, he's led and grew a business uh, took it over from almost going bankrupt to growing from 10 million market cap to 2 billion. That's, that's, that's insane. That's a huge gain. So I think there's, there's definitely talent there. Um, and he's shown he can allocate capital. So I I think it'll just be, cons- you know, just checking to see that he's continuing to execute. Um, and it's really, one of the things I love about these small companies is there's some great leaders that, you know, just no one knows about, that like like growing this business to this size that aren't the Jeff Bezoses of the world or the the um uh, I forgot the guy that runs runs Apple but Tim you know Cook. no Tim Apple yeah Tim Apple. yeah yeah t- Tim Cook but like you know someone that's running a small company that's that's doing well and we're in a part of the market where if you do your homework um you can you can benefit from that I think this is a company where if you do your homework you understand management you trust them um. You're you're bound to do well, and the, and the business is still growing well. Um, and it's had a nice little pullback. The valuation looks um, more reasonable than it has, and they're they're out buying now. They're allocating capital and buying businesses, so it's still interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, the real story that got me excited about Expel is there's um there's like a Texas Business Journal podcast where they had Ryan Pape on maybe a year and a half, two years ago. Um, and he talked about you know back in in, in I think two thousand. Early early 2010s, he's kind of he kind of came into the company and and became CEO, and the company was on the verge of bankruptcy. Maxed out his credit cards to save the company. You know, called the creditors and said, "Listen, like we can't pay off all the, we can't pay off everything, but I'll, I'll max out my credit cards and we, we can we can pay you." And that ended up saving the company. And obviously, you know, leadership that is willing to max out their personal credit cards to save a business, and then after that is able to achieve the growth they have over the past 10 years, really instills a lot of confidence in me, both in their investment in the business and in their ability to execute. Um, and so with him still leading the company, you know, being in charge of, of many of these acquisitions we talked about, whether it's permaplate or, or the or the bike protection film gives me a lot of confidence um, in, in the future of the business. Yeah, I think that's very fascinating. And that reminds me, um, Tom Gardner always talks about the story where uh, middle, uh, for Middleby with Salim Basul, and he had t- taken out a loan. And I think he bought like a some large portion of the company. And um you know, he was just all in and look what happened there. And you, you see the power of inside ownership. And if you have a board that supports you and that's rewarding you um, and good leadership, 
you know, it, it shows you just what's possible. And yeah, that's that interview you shared with me was really great because for companies like this, it's hard to find research on leadership. So if you can listen to something like that, and he was explaining, you know, what, what it took to grow that organization and sales was a big part of it. There really wasn't a sales system and he put sales in place to, you know, kind of grow that business to what it is today. So, um, yeah, very fascinating. I think great leadership, uh, someone definitely that's worth, um, maybe investing behind. Sure. So when you talk about, you know, maybe investing behind, you mentioned earlier valuation, uh, you know, stock came public uh, 2020, I believe, um, and, and has really, you know, performed very strongly, but has, has come back a little bit. What do you make of, you know, the opportunity today? Yeah. Um, so let me pull up, uh, I should have pulled up Cap IQ earlier. Uh, it, it, I, I recently looked at it when we were going to do this segment and um, I have a pretty good amount already, but to me, it does look fairly attractive. I think the biggest thing is um, for, for stocks, uh, it's continuous compounding. Um, and they've been putting up very strong growth rates with profitability, which is something I like, which I, sometimes I start to think is going out of style where a lot of companies like to burn cash. Maybe I'm a little old school. like, But um, you know, they're year to date uh, over the last 12 months, 58% revenue growth. 22% in 2020, 18%, 63% in 18. So really strong revenue growth with, with profitability. So you're getting operating leverage that's going to the bottom line. So the bottom line revenue growth has been between 60 and 80%. So I look at that and then I compare it to um, the multiple it's trading at now. And it's trading at 43 times EBITDA, which isn't, it's not super expensive, not super cheap. Um, and then the next year's EBITDA is 32. So like, it, it seems, I mean, just looking at a lot of companies that's, I would, I don't think it's egregious, um, not cheap, but it's something I would feel comfortable with. So it's, I think it's fairly priced under 10 times sales. Um, so it's had a, a, a pullback too, compared to the prior years. Um, so in past years, uh, it was trading at maybe 50 times forward EBITDA and, 47 and now it's at 32 times forward. So I usually like to see those pullbacks. Um, so I, I think it's fairly attractive kind of where it's at now. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you can write down, you know, another five years of, of 30% compounded revenue growth, uh, you know, that type of EBITDA. And again, with, with the type of operating leverage you talked about, uh, you can really get there on evaluation that maybe optically um, looks a little high, you know, on the traditional kind of valuation metric. So, all right, we've talked about Expel here for, you know, going on 25 minutes or so. Uh, for someone who's listened to this podcast, they need to walk away with, say, a couple bullet points on this company to go home with. What would be the things that you would want them to leave this conversation with? Um, key things. So it's funny, there's certain lessons I've learned that have reinforced themselves as I've looked at more businesses and as I've worked with more experienced people. And this is a key lesson, the power of high inside ownership, which Expel had um, starting from a small market cap and growing continuously for a long time. And those are kind of like the formula for Expel. That's like the formula. That's what happened with Monster. Um, and you see that consistent theme or a lot of those elements and a lot of the big winners. Um, so even if you don't want to buy it, I think it's a good case study. Uh, it's one I learned from. I'm happy to own. Yeah. Riches in the niches, I think, is a perfect example of one of those. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for joining me. Always love having you on. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Hopefully do it again. 
As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for mixing the show. For Ari Hughes, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening and Fool on. We'll be right back.